0: Oh, I can do that, too. How was that? I'm just glad I sound better. If we had recorded any other time this week, I would have been a gross. I still don't sound great, but I still sound better than I did. Uh, you
1: sound fine. You sound bitchy. <laughs> <You sound peachy. laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn it, you said it before I could. You sound fantabulous, okay? Don't even worry about it.
1: When should I do this intro? Oh. Hey, everybody, I'm Chase. And I'm Chloe. And welcome back to Back to the Pilot. This week, we've got a couple oldies and goodies for you as we yabba dabba dive head first into the Flintstones and discover what 21st century living is like with the Jetsons. So call us a couple of boomerangs because we're bringing it all back to the pilot.
0: Wow, that was, you had more references in that intro than I think you've had in any intro yet.
1: Oh, well, I've been watching a lot of Ted Lasso recently. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's totally fair.
1: I also watched the series finale of Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
0: Nice. We should do Ted Lasso. I think that'd be
1: a good one to do. I think I wrote it down somewhere on our sheet.
0: (laughs) I think I wrote it down somewhere in my underwear. Things are getting real weird around here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm ready when you are. You're starting, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll start. I'll start. So, Chloe, tell me, what do you know about the Flintstones?
0: uh not much it's a cartoon i watched the pilot um my first experience with the flintstones though was the live action movie when we were kids with uh really shit who's the why am i totally blanking on the actor
1: john goodman yeah
0: john goodman i never watched the cartoon when i was younger i watched the the movie and then i watched the cartoon
1: interesting yeah our parents I like think that's, i do I that's funny why i don't know i just like uh, it just seems weird that that would be the introduction to it.
0: I mean, we might have watched it. I just like I feel like I don't remember ever watching the cartoon when I was a kid. I remember the movie a lot more vividly.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, it kind of de- it kind of depends on the channels that you would have watched growing up, right? Because I saw it on Boomerang like a few times
0: when we watched Boomerang. So it's like I'm sure I I'm sure I'd seen it. I'm I have no doubt that I probably did. I just don't remember it. It wasn't memorable to me like the the live action movie was.
1: Interesting. I've to be fair, I think I've seen the live action movie more recently than I've seen an episode of the Flintstones on Boomerang. Yeah. Because I had a group of friends who had never seen it and they wanted to watch it for some reason. So uh uh-huh. with that much going on, I'll uh, I'll kind of get into it here. And um so this is, this is interesting, right, about the pilot. There is, or was technically, an unaired pilot. Uh, it was a 90-second clip that was put together for you know, the creators to pilot this episode out and sell it to a network. And it wasn't released at the time, but it was released in 1994 on Cartoon Network. So, they eventually aired it and then it was sold a little bit earlier. It was sold as part of like a box DVD set, kind of like a director's cut kind of thing. It was sold as part of that DVD set prior to airing on Cartoon Network, but it did eventually air that clip and that, Wait. that pilot clip.
0: I'm so confused. So, it was, but it was originally made when?
1: In 1959 or whatever.
0: And they never aired it with the original release of the show?
1: No, I mean it's just a it was just that I, I, I sent uh I saw I said I, I saw
0: uh, the text you sent, but I the yeah, way I it was told, I sent you that said text, it I sounded didn't know like you found it was it on YouTube. No, I didn't. The way you, you wrote it though, it sounded like it was a full pilot. Not just no, a No clip. no it's
1: just a ninety second clip. Oh. At least that's all I was able to find. I don't know if there was a full pilot. Interesting. But this is part of the this was part of the actual selling. Like this was the hand drawn on the 92nd clip on youtube you can still see the smudges on the oh, film oh wow
0: okay yeah sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i was just confu- little confused no by you're it.
1: fine okay. so that so so i've technically so that's technically called the flagstones because that was the working title for the show um Thank if God you want the name that. for that pilot <laughs> uh, but if you want the name of the episode title for the actual episode 1 that aired it's called the flintstone flyer and it was released or aired on September 30th, 1960 on ABC. Uh, if you would like to go watch it, you can go watch The Flintstones on HBO Max with a subscription or it's available for purchase on your general uh, like Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV, Google Play, etc. cetera. Uh, and they still do reruns on television. So you could check your TV listings for Flintstones reruns. But anyways, so the synopsis of the show... Is the misadventures of two modern-day Stone Age families, the Flintstones and the Rebels. and the uh, I, I think I wrote down the synopsis for the very short pilot, but I don't think I wrote down the synopsis for the actual first episode. Um, but the very for the very first pilot uh, synopsis is the plot of this very brief pilot would be used and expanded upon in one of the early Flintstones episode called the Swimming Pool. Fred Flagstone floats in his pool on a tube and his wife Wilma brings his lunch. Barney startles her with his weird scuba diving gear which includes a bow and arrow. Barney accidentally shoots Fred's tube with his arrow. Fred sinks into the pool and Barney rescues Fred's lunch. Which is literally exactly how it happens in the word for second, word almost <laughs> word for word. And the show was created by the famous William Hanna and Joseph Barbera, which I will explain why they're famous if you don't know why they're famous those names don't
0: ring a bell
1: uh ring a bell to you (laughs) um so william Hanna was born on july 14th 1910 in what was new mexico territory at the time i don't think new mexico was a state which i thought was interesting it wasn't uh in 1910 i mean i don't know when new mexico became a state i'm not Look, that's that's what it said. It said he was born in New Mexico territory. Oh, yeah. It didn't say he was born in New Mexico.
0: That's true. It didn't become a state until January 6th, 1912. Wow. Look at that. Yeah.
1: So he was born two years before New Mexico became a state, but he was born where New Mexico would eventually become a state. Uh, His family moved around a lot when he was younger, uh, but they'd eventually settle in Watts, California. Um, And and, uh, they did live in Oregon for a little bit, which is where uh, William Hanna discovered his love for the outdoors. And he ended up going going on to join the Boy Scouts. Uh, he even later in life became an Eagle Scout, served as a Scoutmaster, and uh, in nineteen eighty five he was recognized by the Boy Scouts of America with the Distinguished Eagle, Eagle Scout Award, which is something that he praises over many of the awards that he received throughout his life.
0: Oh yeah, it's uh, hard to become an Eagle Scout. That that's like a award. big. That's a huge deal to become an Eagle Scout.
1: Totally. So so he was a huge fan of the outdoors and, and everything like that. Um, but while he was growing up he attended Compton High School and he played the saxophone so he developed a love for music and uh, music playing and writing and he actually wrote the theme for the Flintstones himself, which I thought was very interesting mm-hmm. um, Just a couple of other things he he, uh, he enjoyed sailing and singing in a barbershop quartet, which again, just a couple interesting things that I found out about him. Uh, and then he went on to study. Both journalism and structural engineering at Compton City College. Uh, he was forced to drop out because of the Great Depression. Uh, but I thought those that combination of like that's such a weird combination mm-hmm. of majors of things to study journalism and structural engineering. I feel like you could not do that today and get away with it.
0: I mean, you could. It would just probably be harder than it might have been back then.
1: I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't hard back then but it's just it's rare to see that some, somebody do that because it, re- it requires you to go out of your way to study something study two things that don't necessarily go hand in hand yeah they don't because most crossover. of the time today yeah most of the time today you see people who are dual like anybody who's dual majoring is likely doing that because their second major can help them find a job or help like that, or it's something more niche than what they want to do. Like they're studying psychology, but then they're also studying neuroscience or something. Those Mm -hmm. things don't really mesh as far as classes go, but that can help you understand both sides of the brain, both like the thought and the actual legitimate uh, science behind the brain. So not that I've ever met anybody who studied both, but I'm sure that there's somebody (laughs) out there who studied both. (laughs) Anyways, back to William Hanna. Uh, after he dropped out, he briefly worked as a construction engineer, but he also unfortunately lost that job uh, due to the Great Depression. Um, and uh, it was then that his sister's boyfriend at the time convinced him to apply for a job with Pacific Title and Art, uh, which were uh, which was a company that produced title cards for motion pictures. And um, while he was there, he discovered, or I don't know if he discovered, but his his talent for drawing and, and artistry. Uh, became like, like just stood out and uh, uh, just really became evident. And that kind of led to his decision to inevitably join the Harmon and Ising animation studio, which is the studio that had created the Looney Tunes and Mary Melodies series. Um, And by the way, feel free to stop me at any time with anything you might've learned, or if you'd rather go through your notes later when you come up with this, because I realize that we're both doing shows created by the same two people. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, you definitely have more information about these guys than I do. So mine's probably going to be a lot shorter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fine. I mean, I mean, at at the end of the day, I wouldn't really have expected you to go back through everything that I had said anyways. So if yeah. you have anything different or anything interesting to add while I'm going through this. I mean, I you definitely you might...
0: have more. It's weird because a lot of the information I found, it didn't say that he lost jobs due to the Great Depression. So I don't know if I just was looking in wrong areas or what, but that's just interesting. Well, I
1: mean, I just thought it was very fairly relevant. I mean, we this is probably one of the oldest shows we've done, if oh, not yeah, the oldest sure. show we've done uh, coming out in 1960, so having this creators, having these creators that grew up during the Great Depression. I mean, coming like we're talking literally in their 20s during the 30s, mm-hmm. um, in their 20s during the 30s. Yeah, I said that right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just thought it was very interesting. So it is very relevant that he, it, it took him losing his jobs and not being able to work as an engineer to discover his passion for. Art and drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he, he actually he jumped around a couple times. He uh, didn't stay at the Harmon and Ising animation studio. Or I shouldn't say he jumped around, but uh, Harmon and Ising kind of moved around a little bit, working independently, working with uh, other studios. Uh, but eventually um, he was lured away to uh, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer.
0: Mayor. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. Um, MGM, most people know it as MGM. Um, the lion, yeah, a lot of you know, people, at the beginning of movies almost when it's everybody the lion that's going,
1: MGM.
0: Rarrr, <laughs> Rarrr, and then it says Metro-Goldwyn. <laughs> you know what's weird, though? So I hear most people say it as Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, and, and even though it's written as Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer.
1: Yeah, it's just three with hyphens.
0: No, I know, but most people say Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. and Mayor.
1: Oh, I hear most people say MGM. Well, yeah, that too
0: anyway (laughs) continue Uh,
1: anyway so he worked he went to go work for MGM and he found himself sitting opposite Joseph Barbera so I will get into Joseph Barbera next here uh he was born March 24th 1911 so a year younger than William Hanna uh he, he was born in New York he was born to Sicilian immigrants uh and he had displayed a talent for drawing even as early as the first grade. Um, he, was, he was a fan, like, he was a big fan of drawing and like, animation when he was growing up. Uh, although in, in high school, he was actually uh, a boxing champion, which I, like, just, again, just very interesting things that, like, you don't think about the things that these guys do in their past you think oh they must have been artists their whole life to go on to do these kinds of things but we've got a structural engineer and a championship boxer um which i read i don't really know what this means because i'm not super into boxing but i read that he was briefly uh he was briefly managed by world lightweight boxing champion al singer's manager oh wow okay i don't know again i'm not a fan of boxing i don't know who al singer is but i guess he's a I guess he was the world lightweight boxing champion.
0: Well, it's interesting too because I found an interesting <laughs> stat about Al Singer. Though he was born in 1909, so he was only born two years prior to Barbera. Yeah,
1: So, well, so so maybe um, I don't know if he was. Maybe he wasn't world lightweight boxing champion at the time. Maybe the reference is that he ended up becoming world lightweight boxing champion.
0: Well, he was, um, he was world uh, lightweight boxing champion in 1930.
1: Oh, okay. So, so it was around the time that he would have been graduating high school. Yeah. Ultimate, ultimately, Joseph Barbera lost interest in boxing after he graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Um. Though during high school, he became interested in animation after he watched a screening of Walt Disney's The Skeleton Dance. So coming up on spooky season here. Leo. Skeleton Dance. A uh, very popular meme these days. Uh but yeah, so that that's kind of that's what got Joseph Barbera interested in doing animation work. I mean, he obviously had a talent for um art and drawing, but uh what got him actually interested in doing the work and getting into that industry was Walt Disney. And um he just he it was during the Great Depression that he unfortunately unsuccessfully tried to become a cartoonist. Uh, though he supported himself throughout throughout this like that time with a with a job at the bank so he was fortunate enough to have a job during the great depression which was rare um at a bank no less which is ironic because banks caused the great depression Mm -hmm. in a way um (laughs) uh that's why people left kept their money in mattresses after the great depression Mm -hmm. Sure, Um, (laughs) Sure, sure sure um However, he eventually sold some of his single cartoon drawings uh to be published in like less popular magazines at the time. They weren't they weren't comics. They were just like they weren't like three three uh three drawing comics. They were just single drawings just featured in these magazines. I
0: mean kind of like how Peter um, Peter does his comic when in the when they go s- they do the Simpsons crossover.
1: Uh oh, it's I don't like single. I don't remember.
0: It's like Peter does the drawings of like it's like he brings his wife his wife's body into a thing and he says my dishwasher's broke, and it's his wife.
1: Oh, maybe yeah, yeah. yeah. It might. I mean, I don't know if it's similar to just. I don't know if there were jokes involved. Like a one- I don't. Oh, okay. I feel like it was just drawings. You know, like these were like, like artists' magazines featuring artists.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Um. Continue.
1: Uh, so he uh. He was getting his, some of his drawings published in these magazines, but he ended up, he actually wrote to, he wrote directly to Walt Disney uh, asking for advice on how to get into animation. And Walt Disney replied saying that he would give him a call uh, when he was on a, like, an upcoming trip to New York, but Walt Disney never called him.
0: I mean, yeah. There was why, never an interaction between
1: them. Why? I mean, I don't know how he would have his number. Did he, why would, because he wouldn't have included his number. Yeah. Like, how would he have gotten a hold of Joseph Barbera? That's what I want to know.
0: I mean, back then, if you wanted to get a hold of anyone, I'm sure you could just look him up in a phone book, right?
1: That's fair. I mean, yeah, the I mean, phone books weren't speaking, as big because there were less people. I you can still do
0: that here. Do that now, but people just don't do that often. I don't
1: own a phone book, so.
0: Yeah, but there's online phone books now.
1: Well, I don't use the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I say, using the internet to record this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, ultimately, that call never came, but Joseph Barbera was not deterred. He went on. He got a job in the ink and paint department of Fleischer Studios and eventually became an animator at Van Buren Studios. Um, uh, interesting side note at Van Buren Studios, he worked on a series, a cartoon series called Tom and Jerry completely unrelated to the one that he would eventually go on to create it was about just two guys named tom and jerry that's funny uh so i i it doesn't it the way that it sounded it didn't even sound like there was any sort of reference to that tom and jerry in the creation of the other tom and jerry
0: i mean he had to Um, use like his experience with that as the names
1: you'd think so I mean, they could but also Tom and Jerry, they're fairly common names,
0: yeah, but like um, I don't know. All I'm saying is that if he saw enough similarities between the characters who he worked on at that place and the ones that they created when they were at MGM, I feel like
1: I mean, maybe i like I said, i, I it didn't say much what I read about um that Tom and Jerry series. I just thought it was an interesting tidbit that was it, unrelated oh, is, to yeah, that production. No. um ultimately he was lured away to mgm he jumped around a couple animation studios but he was lured away to mgm with a substantial salary increase and uh as i said before he found himself sitting across uh his desk from william Hanna. um so the two found out just very quickly they meshed and they found out that they uh worked really well together um while with Uh, while with MGM they jointly directed a cartoon short called Puss Gets the Boot and uh their supervisor at the time Fred Quimby uh like he wanted he wanted successful content but for some reason he did not want cat and mouse stuff so like Puss Gets the Boot was you know a a different cat and mouse cartoon Mm -hmm. um but he didn't want more cat and mouse stuff um but uh like there was a there was a bunch of pushback and there was they they kind of fought on it for a while and eventually Fred Quimby gave them the green light to Bruce to produce that content which led to Tom and Jerry which on is arguably is their most famous creation I think I mean um, it's... that was their they were films at the time so they were mm-hmm. short cartoon films um, I mean let's be weren't... realistic
0: they're still being made today
1: Yeah well yeah so I was going to say like they uh what they that movie came out with uh Colin Jost, the mixed live action animation film, um, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Did you watch that or was it 20? It might have even been this year, it might have been 2021.
0: No, I think the new one came out 2020. Either
1: way, either way, they're still making iterations and uh stories mm-hmm. to this day for Tom and Jerry, just to kind of go on about how uh. How fantastic that show! What the what kind of influence that show has had over the years? Yeah. Um, all right. So that's all sort of the background on these two guys. I know it's a lot, but um, but that does apply to both of these shows that we're doing today. So I'll get into the origin for the Flintstones. Finally, uh, <laughs> the uh, the the main idea for the Flintstones sort of originated. Uh, after Hanna Barbera produced uh, the Huckleberry Hound show and the Quick Drama McGraw show, um, as as successful as those shows were, they didn't quite reach the same audience that the two had reached with Tom and Jerry. Like Tom and Jerry was a family loved; it, it reached audience every kind of audience out there. But these other two shows that they created were not necessarily uh, as popular. Like they they reached younger audience and they but they wanted they wanted the more family audience that they got with tom and jerry uh so they set out to create uh an animated sitcom uh to reach that audience and they bounced around a couple different ideas uh they definitely had the idea for two families uh so in in eventually becoming the flintstones and the rubbles but they they had a couple ideas um which like just thinking about how the show would be different if they had created it like this. They had the ideas for maybe them being hillbillies, uh, ancient Romans, pilgrims, or uh, Native Americans um, before they landed on the Stone Age setting. Uh, so just thinking about just thinking about what the show would be like with ancient Romans, I just don't really know how. I don't feel like it. it I, I certainly believe that the Stone Age was the best decision. Obviously, they believe that as well.
0: I mean, yeah, and obviously, people loved it. So, also, the Stone Age doesn't depict oh, anything. Sorry, sorry, no, I was just gonna say, like, as a from a racial standpoint, the Stone Age doesn't depict any compromising racial right. issues based on the the options you did just give as that they were considering. So
1: fair. I mean, um, back also, then they
0: probably didn't care that much, but
1: yeah, I was gonna say this is nineteen. 19- the late 1950s yeah um so anyways i think one of the reasons they landed on the stone age um is that uh i think it was william Hanna who said that you could pretty much make anything that was modern at the time into a stone age version of itself you know so they had yeah. that option to make that sort of sitcom-esque uh modern quote-unquote family but just take it all back to the stone age and take all of the same sort of contraptions and technology and just create a stone age version of that.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you can take any form of common technology and do that. Right. It's the same with how you could do it with future stuff, which is kind of what they did with the Jetsons as well. Yeah.
1: Which we'll get into, Mm -hmm. but we'll finish the Flintstones first here. Uh, the, uh, the show, as I said earlier, nope, was piloted Nope, I want to move on to my show now. Nope, I want to move on now.
0: <laughs> We're cutting you off. Uh, You've had enough time.
1: <laughs> the show was piloted and presented under, the, under its working title, The Flagstones, which I had mentioned. Um, but one thing that I, and I'm going to read a quote from Joseph Barbera here, a full paragraph actually. But the show required eight weeks of daily presentations to networks and ad agencies. Uh, it was consistently a hard sell. Um, So I'm going to read this. This is a direct quote from Joseph Barbera, which I found very interesting. It's a little bit long, but stay with me. Mm. Here we are with a brand new thing that had never been done before, an animated primetime television show. So we developed two storyboards. One was they had a helicopter of some kind and they went to the opera or whatever. And the other was Fred Flintstone and Barney Rebel fighting over a swimming pool. So I go back to New York with a portfolio and two half hour boards. And no one would even believe that you dare to suggest a thing like that. I mean, they looked at you and they'd think you're crazy. But slowly the word got out and I used the presentation, which took almost an hour and a half. I would go to the other two boards and tell them what they did and do all the voices and the sounds and so on. And I'd stagger back to the hotel and I'd collapse. The phone would ring like crazy. Like one time I did Bristol Myers. The whole company was there. When I got through, I'd go back to the hotel. The phone would ring and say... The president wasn't at that meeting. Could you come back and do it for him? So I had many of those. One time I had two agencies. They'd filled the room. I mean, got about 40 people. And I did this whole show. I got to know where the laughs were and where to hit it. Nothing. Dead, dead, dead. So one of the people at the Screen Gem said, this is the worst, those guys. He was so angry at them. What it was, was that there were two agencies there and neither one was going to let the other one know they were enjoying it. But I pitched it for eight straight weeks and nobody bought it. So after sitting in New York, just wearing out, you know, really wearing out, pitch, 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 sometimes five a day. So finally, on the very last day, I pitched it to ABC, which is a young, daring network willing to try new things, and bought the show in 15 minutes. Thank goodness, because this was the very last day. And if they hadn't bought it, I would have taken everything down, put it in the archives, and never pitched it again. Sometimes I wake up in a cold sweat thinking, this is how close you get to disaster. Damn. End quote. So yeah, I I know that's a little bit long for a quote, but it I mean it really sells the whole like he worked his ass off to get this so show sold just constantly, rejection after rejection, and the very last day he was ready to put it all behind him, just give up entirely. ABC buys the show.
2: I mm-hmm.
1: uh, like I know we've talked about like like hardships and um like close calls to not getting shows, but to hear it directly from the creator is like mm-hmm. unheard of in our version of the show here.
0: They had, so what did their do you know? I don't know. I didn't look it up and I could, I can if you don't know, but do we know what their previous shows from Hanna-Barbera had aired on?
1: Uh, I assume that it had aired on, um, like MGM had like a similar. 'Cause because that, that, that was while they were working with MGM, I believe.
0: I thought still. that they created
1: was the Huckleberry Hound show and the Quick Drama Gras show.
0: I thought that those were created once they were with once they had their own company. Maybe not. I'll look it up.
1: Well, they might have still worked together.
0: Well, I'll get into it online. You go ahead. I'll look it up. Yeah,
1: you, you you might be able to get into it because I I I honestly don't know for sure. Yeah, I'll get um, ultimately the uh, the show obviously once it was bought by ABC, that was the hard part. Um the once on our production, they changed the working title from the flint from the flagstones to the flintstones. Um, but and despite its animation style and fantasy setting, it was originally targeted at adult audiences, which is kind of evident if you watch that first episode. It's it's really more of a sitcom style, less than less less of a cartoon style. Um, but uh it was also the first American animated show to depict two people of the opposite sex sleeping together in one bed um and uh something i found interesting was that the first show the first live action show that did that was actually the very first sitcom which aired in 1947 i don't remember the name of it uh but um i read i read that the so it was the first sitcom the first live action sitcom was the first to depict two like a couple sleeping together in the same bed and then the first animated sitcom flintstones was the first animated show to depict a couple sleeping sleeping in one bed. Interesting. Um, the show really did not get the best reviews at the time. Uh, the night after its premiere, a magazine called Variety called it a pen and ink disaster, um, and uh, the the series debuted in a quote unquote vast wasteland of 1960 to 1961 television, uh, which is considered one of the worst in television history up to that point. So just a like a. Not not a very good time for television, uh, and even uh, animation historians dislike the series. There's one guy called Micah Barry, Michael Barrier who called it a dumb sitcom. Uh, <laughs> he stated that he said that he could readily understand why someone who has a small child enjoyed The Flintstones might regard the show fondly today, but he has a lot more trouble understanding why anyone would try to defend anything about it on artistic grounds. Uh wow, so a little bit harsh good, there that? from Michael Barrier. Yeah. Uh, all that said uh the show the animated series ran for six years from 1960 to 1966 uh which is when it got canceled although even though it was canceled it's seen a ton of animated films and subsequent tv spinoffs uh, uh with some revivals throughout the throughout the later 1900s um and the uh, the show even has a spinoff which i'm gonna say aired earlier this year but it technically is going to air later this year as of this recording date but by the time this goes out it, there's a spinoff show that's coming out on September 30th called Yabba Dabba Dinosaurs on HBO Max, Oh. Um, which actually first began production in 2016 and was first announced in 2018. Um, and the other thing that I thought was interesting was in 2011, it was announced that Family Guy creator Seth MacFarlane, uh, who, if you'll remember, worked for Hanna-Barbera earlier in his career, um, that he would be reviving the Flintstones for the Fox network. Uh, but it, he actually abandoned the idea after Fox entertainment president, Kevin Riley read the pilot script and mentioned that he liked it, but didn't love it.
0: Interesting. Um, I mean, I knew that that, that Seth MacFarlane had a, at one point planned on doing that. And then of course he did things. Of fell course you did. Well, he did an interview with Jimmy <laughs> Fa- Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Kimmel asked if that was still going to happen. And he had said no but i didn't know why um
1: so that's uh that's everything it was a lot
0: mm-hmm. a
1: lot to get through hopefully it's sh- sh- shorter on your end of things because it's the same creators but uh all of, i found all, like a ton of very interesting stuff about the creation of that show
0: mhm yeah no you definitely did
1: um which is rare for me i usually do the opposite i usually find the least interesting stuff and i'm you know i'm just making stuff up all the time on this show mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm Sure. Sure.
1: Yeah, you know me. You know me. Um, Interesting. No, but but did you know? But really, it was a.
0: Sorry, I just found this extremely interesting, and yeah, yeah, go on. Sorry, I found this little thing because I was trying to look up what their first show was because I was curious why it was so hard for him to sell the Flintstones. Honestly, Um, like aside from the quote and everything, because they the first shows that they actually. Produced and that aired, the Rough and Ready show from Hanna-Barbera Productions, um, which originally, I'm just going to say it because I, I could say it my thing, but Hanna-Barbera Productions, when they first were created, was actually called HB Enterprises, and the first shows that they created were the Rough and Ready show that premiered on NBC, and then the Huckleberry Hound show, which uh, premiered in syndication in 1958, so those two shows, they produced and created on their like with their company so it's just crazy to me that if they did well enough or maybe they didn't do that well i don't know but that they couldn't get
1: more uh more support
0: more support for airing another show it's just it's that
1: is yeah no that's that's actually crazy because yeah with with that knowledge you would think it would be i mean i mean but maybe they well, didn't I, do I that guess- well I guess to be fair, well, we don't know if they did that well, but also to be fair, I mean, this was, uh, as I mentioned, it was like one of the worst television seasons in history up to that point. True,
0: true, true. So it's like there
1: was, I guess, I guess there was just a, it was a time of rejecting a lot, you know, like there was not a lot of good stuff on television. Um, Interesting.
0: In the 1960, 1961
1: season. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's very interesting to hear.
0: I mean, it's clear that the Flintstones premiering, I know you said that it didn't get great reviews when it first aired, but that definitely opened the floodgates for them to air more stuff.
1: Totally. I mean, that was, I mean, it's, like I said, it's there for, it was the first uh, animated sitcom to air during primetime, mm-hmm. um, as uh, Joseph Barbera mentions. Uh, so,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, with all that said... Uh, do you want to get into the uh Sepoilatives? Sure. Nice.
0: It's nice. You want? You should go first. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, my favorite character was Barney Rubble. There's not a lot to choose from, to be fair. There's exactly four, four characters. Characters to choose from. Yeah. Um, Barney was also my but, favorite. Yeah, Barney was my favorite. Least favorite, Fred.
0: Yep. Same he's a dick he's a total i didn't like that's the other thing i was like i don't i didn't know fred was such an asshole
1: yeah it's you know it's like it's a really hard sell on uh us because this show came out in 1960 we're making this podcast in
0: 2021
1: 60 years later Mm -hmm. and times have changed yeah, it's no longer funny to be a dick to your best friend
0: <laughs> or wife
1: like or yeah, or wife. Like, OK, it's a little bit funny to be a dick to your best friend, but only when you can tell there's love behind it. We don't know these characters at all. This is the first episode. Yeah.
0: Well, it's just, just like it's interesting because it's like if you compare it to something like a family guy or The Simpsons, it's like. He's not dumb either. Like he's not like an idiot. Like Barney plays the goofy, dumb best friend, whereas like in The Simpsons and Family Guy, you have the dumb, idiot, like main, main character, character who makes stupid mistakes and can be be an asshole because of his ignorance. But Fred doesn't have that. He seems relatively smart and aware of things, and is just actively manipulating his friend. Yes, and exactly. Wife. <laughs> He's well, not an enjoyable in... character. I don't know why people <laughs> like the Flintstones because well, I mean, they're dicks. Like we the said, Rebels, it, it, it wasn't should be huge, about them.
1: It wasn't a huge hit. We, we've we already gone over that. Um,
0: yeah, but it so, still went on we to become see, something more. But I think they it adjusted. Did. And
1: it it, it, it evolved, I think. Yeah. I think it evolved with the times. And eventually, like they, they had children. And that kind of created more of a family setting and created the... Uh, more of a family style sitcom for um, for audiences yeah. uh, to enjoy, and I think it. I think they altered Fred. I mean, like I said, I haven't seen a shit ton of this show.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the movie. I think show. that's even why, like, I remember the movie more because Fred's not like a total asshole in the movie.
1: No, he still tries to be a little bit manipulative, but it, there's the there's that he learns from his mistake, and yeah. you know there's that sort of feeling of guilt and apology. He doesn't have that in this first episode at no,
0: all. No, not at all.
1: Um, that said, my favorite part of the show was actually when they pretended to be different people at the bowling alley.
0: Nice.
1: Because I thought that was really funny. Um,
0: that was my second that favorite. The,
1: that the wives would just walk up and hit them and then they just turn around with mustaches <laughs> and they are just pretend <laughs> no, to be these German them. guys.
0: <laughs> Same <laughs> outfits that they wear, but not our husband's.
1: I mean, they were just as confused. I mean, they were like, I can't believe that two characters would look so similar.
0: Yeah. Uh, My favorite part was when uh, Fred is first trying to use Barney's machine and Barney just goes, Fred, you're too fat for my machine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is is a good part. He's like, details.
0: And it's like, no, you're just too fat. I just love that part. Um,
1: Yeah. And then I think my least favorite part was just when they uh, come up with the plan to deceive the wives you know
0: yeah I didn't really have a least favorite part if I'm being honest
1: there wasn't like anything that stood out to me as like like oh like I, I absolutely fucking hate that part yeah I mean like, I other think- than the fact that Fred's just kind of an asshole
0: yeah I was gonna say if we're going off based off of the Fred's an asshole part I think one of my least favorite parts is when they're flying back and Fred's like oh my machine the Flintstone machine and I'm like shut the fuck up Fred it's not yours Barney fucking created it he even made it strong enough to fit two people in your fat ass <laughs>
1: And bowling balls.
0: <laughs> and bowling balls. Uh, but, like, in reality, I don't have a least favorite part.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I felt similarly, I mean, about the the part where they plat, han, hatched that plan, but it was like, I mean, Fred, you're a fucking dick. Just go to the opera with your wives. Yeah. <laughs> like, miss bowling once. Um,
0: but boy, oh boy, do they make those wives kind of stupid. Yeah. And and, you know, it's, it it is, it was
1: 1960. (laughs) It's like, it's hard. It's a hard sell.
0: I feel so bad. My husband wanted to go and he's going to stay home with his best friend. Like what? Shut up. That is dumb. That is just stupidity.
1: Oh man. Ultimately I gave it, I think I gave it three out of seven good noodle stars. I've written down three as we've been talking about it. I'm leaning more towards even like two.
0: Yeah, I was on the the four to three stage of Noodle Stars. wasn't my favorite.
1: It wasn't the best. I mean, I didn't think it was
0: terrible. Like I think, as far as like what it was for the time that it came out, it was a relatively good show, despite apparently what ratings said. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I I gave it a, I'll say three at this point. The more we talk about it, I I wrote down four, but I'd say three.
1: So you did doing the same thing that I did. Yeah. Yeah. So. There it is. There, there it all is. That's the Flintstones. For I will you. say, I, I thought I found it interesting that they played that little tidbit at the beginning of the episode. That was just a scene from the middle of the episode.
0: What do you mean? Like
1: do you do the... you remember at the beginning of the episode they play that short little scene?
0: I guess I don't.
1: Where he's bowling and he hits. Oh, the Oh, yeah. I
0: guess you're right. Yeah. I guess I didn't really put too much in It's literally the same part of the exact. Episode. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's the same exact scene from when he gets the split later in the episode, and at first You're I'm right. like, maybe they're really trying to set together. up that he's a good bowler, but then, like, then it happens later in the episode. It's like, if they wanted to, so they've, if they wanted to do that, why didn't they use a different scene? I don't know. It was just an interesting yeah. choice.
0: You're right. I didn't really put that together. Interesting. Hm.
1: But cool. There, there we have it. We the have Flintstones, it. created by Hanna Barbera. Cool beans. Still also still making, uh, still uh, relevant today. Mm-hmm. Still making some spin offs.
0: Yeah. I'll ha- I'm interested. I'm going to check out that one that's coming out on HBO.
1: I think it's a kid's show. I think it's like a...
0: Well, I'll watch the first episode and decide. Okay, Chase? God. Yeah, yeah there you go. Okie okay, day. Well, moving on from the Flintstones to the Jetsons, created by the same people... We really just didn't think through.
1: No, I think it I think it's interesting. It's interesting, I mean, this but this is I the first time like, we've done that.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. We've done things that were on the same network before, but not uh not created by the same people. That's true. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, Chase, what do you know about the Jetsons?
1: Um, very very similar to the Flintstones, like uh I knew I knew it was a hanna Barbera cartoon and um I, I'd seen a couple of episodes I've seen on Boomerang when I was growing up, but I didn't really think much of it. You know, nothing really stuck into my brain. I feel like I remember really enjoying the uh the intro theme for some reason.
0: His boy Elroy.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. It's just very It's a very memorable me.
0: intro. Like I honestly Same thing even with the now See I was gonna say even now I couldn't even tell you what the Flintstones Oh, Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. Okay. Da,
1: da, da, took me da, a second. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I I found I I thought both of them. I think uh I don't know maybe maybe you know this, but did uh did William Hanna also write the theme for the Jetsons?
0: Hoyt Curtin wrote the theme Hoyt for the Tur- Jetsons. Oh,
1: Jetsons. Interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: He wrote a lot of other Hanna Barbera show themes, so it seems like he did. A, he was like their go-to composer for it. Gotcha. There you have. Well it. yeah,
1: um you can uh, feel free to tell me tell me.
0: Tell you more about it. Tell me about it. All right. Well the Jetsons. The title of the pilot episode is Rosie the Robot. The pilot released on September twenty-third, nineteen sixty-two on ABC Network. You can watch it on HBO Max with a subscription. On Boomerang TV, either on reruns or you can watch the first episode on their or the first season on their website for free with commercials, I believe. Um, All the seasons are also available on Amazon Prime channels with a subscription. And then there's TV reruns, and then you can also purchase it on Prime. And I'm sure some other places you can purchase it as well. And then. So, uh,
1: sorry, the Jetsons is available on Prime Video.
0: No, it's available I, on Prime if you have the Boomerang TV cha- oh, okay. channel That's subscription. True. Yeah. Anyway, and then obviously the creators, as we've discussed several times, are uh, William Hanna and Joseph Barbera. So an interesting fact, real quick, just about the release in general is that, and I asked you this earlier, and so I thought that it was a, a incorrect statistic, but I did a little bit more research. The um, The Jetsons was actually the first program to broadcast in color on ABC. The Flintstones though it was always produced in color, the first 2 seasons of it were broadcast in black and white.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. So that's why like we know we can watch the first 2 seasons in color of The Flintstones. It was not originally aired that way. It was aired in in black and white. So.
1: Does does that mean it was technically aired as a black and white version of the color episodes kind of because th- it was I produced
0: in so, yeah. color well i think i th- i think essentially because the way it was broadcast it couldn't physically you couldn't due to technology limitations at the time you couldn't broadcast in color yet right I yeah so
1: that's kind of what i was what i was asking was yeah like, so it
0: was still the color it's... version of it but it was broadcast in black and white right okay so all the tones gotcha. would still be whatever it would have been as the color but black and white um, anyway, so I thought that was an interesting t- statistic. So the series uh, synopsis is the misadventures of the future of a futuristic family. It's as simple as that. <laughs> and then the episode synopsis is also a little one-liner: The Jetsons hire a robot maid. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Simple. Well, I think it's funny because uh, the synopsis for the Flintstones was also the misadventures of. Um, I wonder if they were written by the same person. <laughs>
0: Probably. I will say, while I was doing my research for the Jetsons, there's a lot of comparison with the Flintstones. They're, like, it's, like, even the creation of the Jetsons is compared to the Flintstones and the fact that it's, a, a, like, a term that's used as it's the Flint, or not a term, but a uh, phrase that's used is the Flintstones in the future.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, they've always kind of been uh, gone hand in hand, right? I mean, yeah. the... Uh, I mean, you'll probably talk about it a little bit, but they did have that crossover with the Flintstones, I think in the, mm-hmm. is it like a 70s special or something?
0: Uh, it was actually in the 80s. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So, uh, I mean, I'm not going to go too deep into the creator's history because you did it already. Just a few little extra notations that I have. Um, so after you touched on like them meeting at Hanna-Barbera, or sorry, them meeting at uh, <clears throat> MGM, Mm -hmm. After MGM, uh, well, you touched on them. So you touched on them while they were at MGM. They created the Tom and Jerry characters and had produced over 200 films and series between 1940 and 1957 of the Tom and Jerry characters. They also won seven Oscars for their cartoons between 1943 and 1952. So they were very well established at that point. Um, And then in 1957... um, MGM Studios, MGM Animation Studios actually closed. And so the two split off to create their own company, which was originally, and I touched on this briefly in during your segment, which they originally called HB Enterprises until 1959 when they reincorporated as hanna Barbera Productions Incorporated. So that's just like a little bit of information. Something also to note, when they split off... They were actually um, part-owned by Columbia Pictures. Oh. They were 18% owned by Columbia Pictures, um, which I think helped when they were trying to... I think that's kind of probably how they got their first two shows to be... I mean, obviously, we didn't do much research on those first two shows, but how those first two shows got their... Um, what is the term I'm looking for? Uh, distribution and their broadcast ability. Um, Mm -hmm. so they were part owned by, I don't know if they still were throughout their entire, even through their, um, reincorporation. Um, it doesn't actually say, but I found that interesting that Columbia pictures were actually part owners of, of their company at the time.
1: Yeah. That's very interesting.
0: Yeah. So I'm just going to move on from that in general, because there's no point in me touching on everything you've already touched on. Um, so as far as how they came up with the idea of the show and the creation of the show, I said it earlier, but people consistently compare it to the Flintstones because it's just a term coined is the a futuristic Flintstones. So mm-hmm. much like how, the Flint, how you were saying with the technology of the Flintstones, they just took common day technology and turned it into, Cheese Louise, Stone Age technology, right? So cars powered right. by feed. Same thing, same concept was with the Jetsons, right? They had you know, just futuristic versions of it. So flying cars and, you know, moving walkways, which is funny because we have those now, like in airports and in places like that. Yeah, we have
1: them. And God, I still have to walk some places.
0: (laughs) I still have to walk some places, which you say ironically, but I feel like uh, Judy Jetson actually says that in the episode when she's going (laughs) to pick up the maid. (laughs) But um, they didn't have, it sounds like most of their issues, like, didn't I didn't find any issues with them getting this show made or approved because it sounds like they had all of those issues with Flintstones, but they had a formula at this point too of how they wanted to make their stuff. They they made a sitcom, an animated sitcom about families, right? So yeah. and it followed the same formula, the same way they made the Flintstones. It followed the same formula for the Jetsons. So and they used the same animation technology as well. So the show also aired on ABC, probably due to the little success that they had with the Flintstones. I mean, it's not little, but it, in the grand scheme of what became of both the shows, it was pretty little. Um, the show actually only aired for one season on primetime, in nineteen from 1962 to 1963. Um, it went up against... And the reason being is because it went up against Walt Disney's The Wonderful World of Color and Dennis the Menace. So, even though the show was, like, the first time it, uh, a show aired in color, um, or it was the first program, Broadcast in Color, on ABC, not long after that, The Wonderful World of Color came to ABC. And so, Walt Disney was a little bit bigger at the time than mm-hmm. Anna Barbera. And so, it, it didn't last um, for them, unfortunately. But... It then went on to rerun in syndication as a part of Saturday morning cartoon lineups. And the show became very successful from that. And though it was decades, literal decades later, it, uh, they started producing more episodes again in the 1980s.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. And then they even went on to have crossover, a crossover two hour television film with the Flintstones called the Jetsons meet the Flintstones. So
1: I assume it's the Flintstones that travel through time, not the other way around. Right.
0: No, it's the Jetsons.
1: <laughs> what you're telling me, there's no Stone Age time time traveling technology.
0: <laughs> I just—it's funny because Alyssa asked the same question earlier, and I was like, I mean, the Jetsons would make more sense, <laughs> but. Um,
1: well, I was being facetious, but.
0: Yeah, but the show did uh, the biggest. One of the biggest thing. It, geez louise one of the biggest things when it came to like producing new episodes so they made new episodes um in 1980 from 1985 to 1987 but they kind of stopped producing much uh producing much after 1989 because the majority of the core cast had passed away you had George, o- uh, George O'Hanlon, I feel like I'm pronouncing that wrong, but the guy who played George Jetson,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mel Blanc, who played Mr. Spacely, and Daz Butler, who uh, was the, <clears throat> I can't remember who he played, who did Daz play? Elroy, Daz played Elroy. Daz Butler, who played Elroy, they all passed away, um, and so they didn't want to recast them at the time. Um But then they went on instead of, so I guess instead of making more episodes, they went on to make movies. So they were fine. I don't know why they were fine recasting them for movies, but not for episodes. Maybe because you could get away with it. I don't really know. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. But the most recent and last Jetsons thing that was made was the Jetsons and WWE Robo WrestleMania in 2017, which I never saw that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I,
1: the Flintstones also had a uh, WWE special.
0: I mean, it was uh, funny because I was talking to my dad about this, but he was like, for some reason, Hanna Barbera did a lot of like guest people on their shows, and so they just like people like their shows would just have people popping in and out. Like, I can't even remember one of the examples. Did like they make games, the?
1: Did they make Scooby Doo? They didn't. No, they did.
0: I think they made, they made Scooby Doo.
1: Because right. they had they had the Globetrotters on Scooby Doo, yeah, and they had Batman and Robin, and like, so so, even if it even if I don't recognize that they had those,
0: yeah, I was uh,
1: guests. If the, even if I don't recognize that they had those guests on like the Flintstones and the Jetsons, I definitely recognize those guests. That they were very much a guest star oriented um, company mm-hmm. through scooby-doo which had a ton of guest stars
0: yeah but yeah i found that interesting um i don't really have much more in general in the jetsons uh other than what i said um but something that is just kind of interesting in general for hanna barbera is that later on in both hannah uh william denby hannah and joseph roland barbera have passed away at this point um Hannah passed away in 2001 and Barbera passed away in 2006, but they, the company was actually uh, taken over by Warner Brothers and which was ironic, not ironic, but while Seth MacFarlane was there, they were going through the process of transferring everything over to Warner Brothers from Hannah Barbera, which is exactly why he could create Family Guy But Mm -hmm. that's why they have all of those shows have been syndicated for Boomerang and Cartoon Network. And that's why we're still able to watch all those shows now, because they were transferred over to Warner Brothers, who then syndicated them to Cartoon Network and whatnot, which I find interesting. And it's, it's fortunate that we, even now we can still watch those, thing, those shows because, honestly, a lot of that stuff, a lot of things that were made back in the day are hard to get a hold of anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, especially like if they and, weren't purchased or, And just off. lost to yeah, time. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's fortunate that we can watch these shows now, even if they're not the greatest shows and, you know, they're stuck in their time in certain ways. But it is fortunate.
1: I will say that um at least in those first episodes there wasn't anything that was outrageous like yeah it's a little bit it's a little bit time stamped by the you know like the like women do the shopping in the like the sort of mm. nuclear family style but it it's not like there's anything that's like you would need that sort of um disclaimer at the front saying like these are a product. These are a product of their time, and yeah. you, they should be watched as such, and uh, like enjoy enjoyed as a product of its time rather than as a product of 2021. Mm-hmm. That's not a disclaimer you would need for these shows.
0: No, they're not that bad.
1: Right. It like it like yeah. It's it's definitely a little bit misogynist, and uh, I will say they they don't necessarily take a ton of power away from like Wilma or Jane in either of the shows. Mm -mm. They're not saying that that I I think there's a little bit of like, Oh, like women are dumb kind of undertones to it. But it, I mean, even at the end of the show, I mean like Wilma, like, you know, she, she beats the crap out of Fred for trying to trick her. Yeah. So it's, it's not entirely saying that like women aren't strong or anything like that. So, uh, as as bad as it is, it's definitely it could be worse. So I think that there's all it's also got that going for in for them.
0: Oh yeah, I don't have much more. To unless add. you unless you better.
1: feel otherwise, I don't know. No, if...
0: I don't have. You just you said it perfectly. You said it beautifully. I don't oh, have sweet. much to add to it. Cool. Um, it's kind of unfortunate that I don't have oh. more about the Jetsons. Oh, that, all I was gonna say is just it's unfortunate that I don't have more about the Jetsons, but I feel like the. Flintstones paved so much of the way For the Jetsons And even though they lasted one season Like it didn't even have like terrible reviews It's just the reason it didn't continue on Is because it was going up against Two shows Dennis the Menace Which was huge for that For the focus group of people That were watching these shows in prime time And then Walt Disney just was a bigger conglomerate than them mm-hmm. It just had the name and the pull And even if the show was better or not Like it probably would have succeeded over the Jetsons regardless Because of who was producing it Yeah. So it's just like I f- wish there was more about the Jetsons But there's just There's really not a whole lot about them Because the Flintstones took the the brink of all of that so. Yeah, they,
1: they the Flintstone their 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 work and effort getting the Flintstones on the air is certainly uh, certainly paid off. I think for them. Yeah. Um. Just uh like like uh like Barbara said in in that quote, you know, it's just amazing how close you can come to disaster. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: but we're we're happy. It all worked out for them and. It's uh, where we were. They went on to create a ton of TV shows. I mean, even if the, the Jetsons movies, wasn't TV very popular, shows. they they've created a shit ton of amazing television shows. The I mean, I love Scooby Doo growing up. I yeah. still love Scooby Doo. I mean, when Scoop came out, I was super excited and I was a huge fan of that movie. And
0: mm-hmm. I mean, if we're being uh, realistic, I, we said Tom and Jerry is probably one of their more well-known things, but Scooby Doo is by far the most.
1: I still I would still argue that Tom and Jerry is their most famous. Really, I um, would
0: I feel like at this but, point, like the more we talk about Scooby Doo, is definitely the most famous. Like they've had far more renditions of Scooby Doo than Tom and Jerry.
1: You think so? I mean, yeah. they've had a sh- they've had a ton of renditions of Tom and Jerry. Yeah, but and think Tom about all the live action on the movies air you for have. A long time, just yeah, just making new episodes for yeah, a long time. I don't know. Scooby Doo has not been on the air for as long. But I think have- it's certainly more popular among like people younger. But, See, but I wouldn't even I mean, say that. It's
0: like they have the live action films, which they have multiple of, and then they have the one, the Scoob that just came out, and then you have the different renditions of the TV show true. when it was like them as kids, and then, you know what I mean? So it's like, I feel like Scooby-Doo maybe doesn't have more renditions, but if, I don't know, more notable to me, maybe it's just because yeah. I like scooby well, more than Tom and Jerry.
1: I mean, Tom and Jerry for sure is like MGM's most popular animation
0: yeah I don't know Um, that's interesting
1: Scooby-Doo would be the most popular that came directly from the Hanna-Barbera production name Mm -hmm. if we're separating them by production name
0: I don't know either way
1: amazing shows
0: good shows good shows all right superlatives
1: so yeah superlatives hit me with it
0: okay I thought the best character was Rosie Robot
1: I I did I did like Rosie Robot. I said George Jetson.
0: Interesting. Okay. Um,
1: I I I kind of he's kind of like this like sorry for himself, but he doesn't need to be. Like yeah. he's not like an asshole. Like uh, oh, he's
0: no Fred. That's for like sure.
1: Fred by any means. He's much. He seems like to be a much nicer husband, and he's he's not like I mean he's not a genius, but he does. He's he's not trying to. He's not trying to make his family like take the brunt of anything. He just he wants to be there for his family. So he is a family guy. Mm-hmm. But um
0: ching. But <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: So I don't
0: know. I just I like Rosie because she was she's kinda like who Dennis. I wish uh Judy could be, but like she obviously – Judy's human and she doesn't have the the
1: Judy or Jane?
0: The wife's name is Judy
1: no the wife's name is Jane
0: wait what am I that stupid oh I am that stupid sorry Jane I was thinking Judy was the wife for some reason my bad um anyway i ju- I just like Rosie I think she's got she's like comedic relief yeah. that you need um she's not totally. like a helpless housewife and I'm not saying that Jane is a helpless housewife other than the fact that she's kind of acts like a helpless housewife so um, well, my
1: least favorite character was Jane.
0: Oh, really? My least favorite character was Cosmo Spacely, the boss, Mr. Spacely.
1: Yeah, I just...
0: I just, like, didn't um, like the fact that he was, like, to think I married that woman for her good cooking. And I get, like, it's the comedy and it's the... I'm not judging it for the time. It's just, like, there's no cooking in this time. And Jane the-
1: just seems like a gold digger. Really? A little bit.
0: I mean, they're supposed to be relatively poor for the people of their time. So she's doing a terrible job of being a gold digger.
1: Well, I I will say... She seems
0: to care about her children. She she does not strike me as a gold digger. I'm not saying she
1: doesn't care about her children. But uh, the one thing, I I guess... You know what? Let's move on to favorite parts because it's part of my least favorite part that I'll explain it.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, my favorite part goes hand in hand with my favorite character. But I love when Rosie throws the pineapple upside down cake on Mr. Spacely.
1: <laughs> that was my favorite part as well. Yeah. Now the pineapples are right side up.
0: hmm. I didn't have a least favorite part. If I'm being honest, what was yours though?
1: So my least favorite part is kind of just about Jane in general. Um, but like she, so she complains about like, you know, the family needs new things, but the opening intro implies that she's the one spending all of their money
0: fair like when she takes the money out of his wallet
1: yeah like he's trying to be like all right here like go buy yourself something nice try like pulls out like a bill and then she takes his wallet instead of the bill and mm-hmm. then goes to the shopping center and so it's like it implies to me that she's a gold digger also she's really young she's 33 and has a 15 year old daughter yeah not that that's a bad thing but she's 33 and george is 40
0: yeah but then um, also you have george who's Going after a young woman, so it's like you can't put it all on her.
1: No, I'm not trying to put it all Especially on her, if but she's I she's 33 that with a 15 year old daughter.
0: But... Like, <laughs> that's him going after her when he that's illegal.
1: Uh, not no, she I guess she would have been
0: 18, so that's like on the brink. He got uh, he her young,
1: it would have been weird. No, it's weird. It's I'm weird. not saying it's a good. thing I look, he's done with fucking saying, college, and she would just be going into it. I'm not here telling you that George is the pinnacle. <laughs> I'm not here telling you that George is the beacon of like pinnacle father figure over here. Um, I'm just saying that Jane comes off as a bit of a gold digger through that intro. And then also complaining about needing new things when she's the one that's going out and spending all their money.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But then she's also savvy in the fact that she gets Rosie for free on the first day. Granted, she's also trying to convince him that they need a maid when in reality, she's just fucking lazy. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, but yeah. so that's that's my thoughts, so my least favorite part was kind of that
0: um and i didn't have one because I just seem to have an issue with picking bad parts um, <laughs> my noodle stars i i honestly I relatively really enjoyed this episode it didn't i didn 't have a lot of issues with it in general, so I gave it five it wasn't like phenomenal. But it definitely didn't irritate me like the Flintstones did.
1: Yeah. I I I had a similar thought process, but I went with four. Um again, it's just like, you know, it's an average show. It's not, not horrible, but it's not the greatest.
0: Yeah, I feel that. I mean, I, I will say this, I was I stayed engaged and interested in it the entire time. Whereas I literally found myself pausing the Flintstones and being like, "When the fuck is this episode over?" (laughs) And it was only—it's only like a what a twenty-minute episode, twenty-six
1: minute. I think it's twenty-six minute. uh, So I just like—I was getting
0: irritated by the Flintstones. Whereas this, I was like, I stayed interested in it. So I don't know. That just—that just might be a me thing. It also has there's a lot of I do remember one thing that I didn't mention that they compared this show, the Jetsons, also to uh, the Brady Bunch. Um, especially with Rosie oh, the Robot being kind of like yeah. Alice. So I think that I've always liked the Brady Bunch. I think that might also be a reason I enjoyed mm. enjoyed the Jetsons more. Um, I think that's also where, like, I've always remembered the Flintstones having kids, and like you said, they later on added the children to the family, and it made them more uh, susceptible to people liking them. Um, mm-hmm. But It
1: was like season – I want to say it was like season three. So they had a couple seasons where it was just – uh Jet just them. the adults and then yeah. they had kids in like season three.
0: Okay. I don't know. Either way. I overall definitely like the Jetsons more than the Flintstones. And like I said, I think that they probably would have had more seasons on primetime had they not gone up against two very successful shows.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm a bit surprised that the Flintstones lasted as well on ABC. hmm You know, like like if the Jetstones not Jetstones. Um <laughs> <laughs> if the Meet jetsons the Jet failed like what what kept the flintstones on the air they must have mm-hmm. because i mean that would make sense like if it was 19 the 1962 1963 television season mm-hmm. when the jetsons came out if by then the flintstones had kids and the show was more well received yeah uh, and had a longer run time or like a longer running history on ABC, it would make more sense that they would stay on and the Jetsons would go because it only had the one season.
0: Yeah. Well, and the sheer fact that it's like people compared the Jetsons so much to the Flintstones, mm-hmm. you also have that that concept. So,
1: So. Yeah. there it is. There it is. Alright guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate every one of you for taking the time to do so. If you don't currently, go ahead and follow us on your podcasting platform of choice as well as on Instagram at Back to the Pilot. As usual, feel free to leave us a comment and let us know any shows you'd like us to talk about. On our next episode, we take a look at a couple of fantastic female leads with New Girl and The Good Place. We hope you had a fantastic time listening, and we'll see you next time when we take you back to the pilot. So long, everyone.
0: That doesn't make sense. That- I don't know why I did that. <laughs> 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 just
1: a little. Hooray! And there's some jazz hands.
0: just hands! No, that was good. I like. I am
1: it. looking. I am looking forward to a New Girl. Oh yeah.
0: Um, I call doing the good place. I want to do the good place. So yeah, fast. that's fair.
1: I'll do a New Girl. Yes.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited, guys. Next week's Johnson. episode is gonna be fucking awesome. <laughs> be there. I mean, I hope this week's episode was great, but like, I have it'll a be, real well, excited be connection. Begin, so. Yes, it will be. Sorry, two weeks. Next episode, not next week's. God bless it.
1: Fucking son of you a. You know, bitch. you're fired fired we're bringing in somebody else
0: sounds about right sounds i was just waiting waiting for the day Mm. wow louie and i both got fired today that's unfortunate
1: fuck (laughs) Fuck. a harsh day (sighs)
0: all right i'm gonna stop now